there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, Dr. Batar, I know we got a webinar coming up we're going to talk about. We've got a few stories I want to hit, and then we'll, we'll dive into the topic of spirituality and science. Can they coexist? Well, we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm pretty sure they can, but we'll find out how. Dr. Batar, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Robert. How about yourself? Good. Did you get your... Uh, Whatever that stream is, you do like Instagram and, and, and Facebook and all of the stuff simultaneously. Plus, we got YouTube. I mean, there's so many folks listening from so many different ways. We again, we've lost track. Well, I'm just I, I kind of Jimmy rig it, you know. And my <laughs> son's not with me, so to help me this time, so it's uh, it's an interesting little fiasco. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm wishing you all the best, my friend, because without my kids, there are certain things I can't do either. So uh, um, hopefully uh, they'll, they'll show up again one day soon. Now, uh, on the topic of the webinar, I just got it in, in the inbox. So I don't know if th- this means that people that aren't already on your email list through advancedmedicine.com, for instance, might not get word of this upcoming uh, event on July the 5th, Thursday evening. Uh, that's true. That. The people that the only people that have access to this are members of the IADFW, the International Association for Disease-Free World, which for the rest of the world, Robert is the director of, and it's something that we um, we feel is the best way of disseminating this type of information. So it's normally a ninety-nine dollar a year membership, but for anybody who is um, that has an invitation code like yours, Robert. What is it, thirteen fifty six or something? Thirteen fifty eight, and it's it's in the show notes, folks. You can click the link and go there, and you can actually uh, become a member for how much? But uh, with the invitation code, it's one dollar for life for a lifetime. So it's you know forever. Right. And um, so anyway, all they got to do is just go through and go through the registration process. But yeah, we are very excited about this particular webinar. There's two components to it. One is regarding cardiovascular disease. So if you have anyone in your family or yourself or anybody that you know that is suffering from cardiovascular disease, this information is like an absolute must know. Uh, It's it's one of those things that um, truly has the potential of changing somebody's life. And the other one is releasing some information about a new technology, Robert, that you and I talked off the air about uh, Mm. a month and a half ago. And uh, it's a medically advanced naturally guided optimization and we are um, blown away by the preliminary results of some of the some of the uh, patients that we have utilized these protocols with with the optimized technology. So it's it's exciting, and the times are exciting, and um, I'm very very pleased to be able to bring this information. And I'm really 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 looking forward to being able to connect with some people that have had some cardiovascular issues that have been intractable. So if anybody that you know has heart disease issues, and that is on medication that hasn't been able to see the type of response and results that they were hoping for, you want to get them on this webinar. Well, and what's fascinating about this, of course, we've talked about the appropriateness uh, 
in extreme circumstances for IV uh, chelation therapy. You know, that was one of the ways it was inadvertently discovered as a, you know, initially a treatment to uh, detoxify from, you know, some heavy metal poisoning. And they found, my gosh, the arteries were being cleared. But what you're talking about here for folks is a way to get that kind of clearance potentially without even IV therapy. So uh, it's a big, big step, in the, uh, you know, in a great direction. Well, Robert, I just want to clarify, if a person has heavy metal toxicity, they're still going to be dealing with that issue. Sure. And, and the heavy metals cause lipid peroxidation within the vascular tree, uh, affects the endothelial wall lining, and that's where the microvascular damage occurs that causes the beginning of the atheroma formation, the, the occlusiveness of the vessel. Uh, so that's not going to be negated by this, but there are other ways that we've found that uh, even when people have had chelation, sometimes we've got a small percentage of people, about 5%, that still end up having issues. Mm. And we found that this other way that we're doing things, which has been actually part of our adjuvant treatment, is um, it has even less uh, breakthrough, if you will. So we've got like something like a 98% success rate so far. And mm. it's really pretty amazing. And I think the few people that haven't responded, it's only because they were self-sabotaging it, if you will, by lifestyle things, you know, not sleeping enough, like some, like an idiot would that I, myself, you know, that doesn't get enough sleep and that kind of stuff. So it, it really does work in pretty much everybody, and mm-hmm. they just have to give it a chance. And to the point that when it's finally released, um, I believe we're going to do something like a 100% money back refund if it doesn't work for somebody within the first 90 days. We're yeah. not 100% sure exactly how it's going to happen, but it's really, really powerful. Very good. Now, going back to medical school days, now, you're a spiritual dude, Dr. Batar. No one would argue otherwise. We have some really deep discussions here and off the air when we talk about these things, like of spirit, of God. And yet, much of modern medicine seemingly more atheistically inclined, right? Materialistic, reductionist, not vitalistic, not life force focused, but chemistry focused. And there's a headline in New York Times based on a, apparently a new book or a book review uh, called the question, must science conflict with spirituality? Now, I don't know if you ever ran into conflict in med school as a younger guy going, you know what, I, I, be- I'm, I believe I'm spiritual, but yet what I'm learning here seems to conflict with it. Or was it always in harmony for you? Robert, that's such a interesting question, and I know that you and I have had some personal talks about this. I don't understand how an individual can be a scientist and not believe in the unequivocal existence of the Creator. It, it's, you know, when people say you can't believe in science and God at the same time, I'm like, you can't believe in science <laughs> without believing in the presence of God. I, I don't understand that. Right. They are, it's just, um, you know, spirituality is, is one aspect of it, but anybody, I think um, Einstein had a really good quote on this, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but something to the extent that, that you know, Science and, and creation are synonymous, or something to that extent. I can't remember exactly. Maybe, maybe I'm giving Einstein uh, undue credit. Maybe somebody else, but I thought it was an Einstein credit uh, quote. So and there have been a I few think, over the years, but I mean, I, I think to your point, you don't have an opportunity to believe in science without a creator, right? Of course, the idea that it's a random happenstance is, I'd say, laughable at best. But it's it's just kind of a, a sad uh, non-reality. But as I said, the conflict issue for those that are very materialistic, very uh, believing, so to speak, in only molecules, and that when you die, it's over, you're dust to dust, and you no longer exist. There are people that have that belief. And again, I'm not into violating their belief. That's fine if that's what they want to believe. But again, 
the majesty of creation. It's just too amazing to think that it happened by accident. I completely, 100% agree with you, Robert. And I think that the, for the people that, you know, when, when you said the materialistic, I, I don't know whether I necessarily agree with that word. Mm-hmm. I think you can be materialistic and still be spiritual, um, because I believe that God is a God of abundance, and there's no reason to, uh, you know, give up everything, even though that is the way in some traditions. Um, but I, and maybe maybe I misunderstood. How, well, how about this? Molecular reductionist might be a better or more accurate way to describe yeah. the materialism I recognize. Because, yes, we're made of material while we're here in the material world. I mean, even Sting, and I think it was the policer's thing, we are spirits in the material world. We are That's spiritual right. beings having physical experiences. It's not that we deny the reality of this world, but that this world is all that is. And this goes into the controversy of a lot of the politics. People over-identify with their pigment as if that's who they really are, the color of their skin. And it's like, no, you're so much more than the color or lack of color of your skin. Yeah, and, and I, I think this is one of the points that people do tend to reduce themselves down to certain uh, components, in, like you said, pigment of the skin or their ethnicity or their religious beliefs. And yeah, this goes well beyond it all. I completely agree with you. So, again, the conflict that I see, you know, it, it, we've talked about this, too. If you go to a doctor who, who has no belief in the creator or God, you know, for me, I'm, I'm going another way. I, they might be very skilled in it, but what if there's that moment where they ha- there's a message from deep within or above or however you perceive it, and they're like, that's not real. I, I want somebody who's connected, you know, who's going to listen to that voice to say, you know what, that's not what you need to do right now. Well, I... I think that you hit that nail right on the head. I think that for for a individual to have to make a decision, especially when they're in their formidable years and doing their educational uh, time while they're in school under the influence of uh, professors and teachers uh, that are you know have more experience in the life life experience than themselves, they're they're still um, vulnerable. They're still impressionable. And I remember, I think I've told you the story where when I got my theology degree, uh, my professor, who was my uh, counselor also for my advisor for my theology degree, uh, we spent the last portion of two and a half years was independent studies. It was just he and I together one-on-one. And he never, ever, ever told me his own belief system. He never told me his own religion. And I think the reason was was because he didn't want, he knew I was impressionable, and he didn't want to influence me because he knew I was, at that period of my life that I could be influenced by somebody that I would look up to. And he ended up, uh, his uh, his own religion was, he was Jewish, but he didn't want to impose that belief system on me. And so he guarded um, me by keeping me um, in the dark as to what his own personal faith was. I think this is one of the things that when we start to look at young people, people that are still in the educational formidable years, we have to understand that they are impressionable, and so we should be supporting their their belief system and encouraging the belief system something greater than us rather than forcing them into making a decision that either i choose spirituality and guidance uh innate intelligence my own sixth sense my gut feeling which is the universe talking to us god talking to us or that i take all of that and throw it into the rubbish bin and only believe the dogma that i'm being preached you know whatever that may be mm-hmm. so hey, i think hey. that's a very 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 treacherous road that we're going down yeah, and nothing I've said or Dr. Batari says that, that is just dis, dis, 
connecting from the reality of training in the physical world to be a surgeon, to be a doctor in whatever it is that you're doing. But my point is to disconnect from the spiritual worlds or the spirit or the voice of that communication at a deeper level. There's a wisdom that's far beyond that. You know, I joke about the degree that you may have achieved in university and beyond. And that's the point of staying connected. And that's why I said choosing someone who has a, a deep abiding faith and also one that honors your belief system if it's different. And I, that's a great respect but I, because I believe the Creator gave us the right of freedom of choice that regard to find a path that fits us. So, folks, this is uh, Advanced Medicine. We go spiritual, too. Yeah. Dr. Batar is with me each and every week. AdvancedMedicine.com, RobertScottBell.com, and, of course, archives going back years now thousands of hours to listen to we're going to be back rejecting vaccines is it peer pressure that's causing you to do it we're going to talk about that more next the revolution will be broadcast the robert scott bell show Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Yeah, I may not be the coolest kid on the block. I, I acknowledge that. But the official yes Twitter account follows the Robert Scott Bell Show. I think that's awesome. I think I got some street cred. And they are on their 50th anniversary tour. I'm hoping to be in a city where they're going to be soon. Yes, in concert, coming to a city near you, perhaps. Super, Super Don, I don't know if you're a big fan of Yes. I don't know, Dr. Batar, if you ever got into Yes, but that progressive rock from the 70s, they're still around. Oh, yeah. The, the group Yes it was one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're on a 50th yeah. anniversary tour. You want to talk about, I think they're fans of the Robert Scott Bell Show. They must listen to Advanced Medicine, too, because a lot of, most of them are still around. And they're old. Maybe so. <laughs> So I don't know if they've rejected vaccines, but a lot of people have. And it's still a vast, vast minority. Uh, but that minority is scaring the uh, mainstream vaccine you know, religionists. And there's an article at Medical Express. They're trying to figure it out, Dr. Bittar. They can't figure it out. They won't just ask us, why? Why are you not vaccinating your children? And we could pretty clearly tell them the answer. But they're like, no, 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 that can't be real. Whatever you're going to tell me is not real. So now they're saying it's got to be peer pressure because, you know, vaccines, they save millions of lives. They're they're safe. They're effective. Oh, sure. There may be some side effects, but the diseases are way worse. And of course, many parents beg to differ how they got there. Ask them their story. But no, they go to the point of saying there has to be some kind of delusional psychiatric dysfunction. We've got to label them and then way that way we can vaccinate them for it. And then they'll be all pro vaccine again. That's right. It's contagious, and it's a genetic epidemic, and it's just taking over everybody, the masses. You know, it, they may be right about that, because I think that empowering people with knowledge is contagious, and it does spread like wildfire. And I think that's something that they probably didn't um, understand. And again, you know, for the people that are listening to us, um, I'll just speak for Robert and for myself, and I will say that it's not that we are against vaccines. We are just against stupidity. And so when you go and vaccinate somebody with um, substances that are known to be toxic poisons, and you give it at a time in the child's development that the immune system isn't even capable of mounting uh, an immune response, and then you do it in conjunction with other adjuvants that are supposed to stimulate the immune system, which by definition you can't do if the immune system hasn't developed yet, 
that in my book, that's like a triple uh, idiocy factor. Okay, that's that's just um, stupid and stupid and stupid, and it just it doesn't it violates every precept of immunology and science that there is. And the people that would argue that they are either one, they have an agenda that's highly suspect, or two, they simply are so ignorant of how the immune system works they just don't understand it. So. You know, the whole concept of vaccination, the whole concept of being aware of how the immune system works and to utilize that for our own best benefit, that, that's great. That's why you get, you know, you have the chickenpox um, uh, parties where somebody gets chickenpox in the community, everybody sends their kids there. So they all get chickenpox so that their children develop an immunity to it. That's what vaccination is about, is to develop an immunity. But to create this illusion that you need to get a vaccination for vaccinations to prevent other things that are caused by it's ridiculous the amount of poison that we're introducing to the people. So again, we're not against vaccines; we're just against stupidity. Yeah, there you go. And this study says, well, could it be because of CAM, complementary alternative medicines? Because if we look at vitalistic teachings, whether it be chiropractic, homeopathy, naturopathy, and it's true to its origins, it would say, don't violate, don't pierce the skin and poison the body, for instance. And that would be, by definition, against the concept as it's manifesting today, toxic injections, as you poison, what's in a vaccine. And then they go to midwives, and, you know, a bunch of midwives don't believe in vaccines, and they're very nervous about that because a lot of people in New Zealand want to use midwives. My gosh, the influence on these, these next generations, oh, it could be tragic, it could be... De- no, it could be actually a, quite a strong benefit to their immune systems if they're allowed to develop more naturally, as we've done before, and maybe respond, as they call it, complementary alternative medicines, to support the immune response rather than squash it and find that the next generation is healthier and stronger rather than weaker, which we're seeing a lot of evidence of the next generations, weaker than previous ones. Well, I will tell you, Robert, that if God so wills it, by the end of this year, there will be a devastating blow to the industry that promotes or accepts or allows the acceptance of the use of mercury in any uh, human, uh, as far as physiological or human uh, interaction, like whether it be dentistry, vaccinations, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And if vaccines were truly safe, I just want to point one thing out, then why is it that everybody thinks that mer- mercury has been taken out of vaccines? So that's what people think, but yet that's not true. Yep, we'll we'll cover that a little bit more when we come back from this break. Also, a question of the day. If you're traveling to regions around the planet where they say you should vaccinate, what does RSB do? What does Dr. B do, Dr. Rashid Bittar? We'll talk about that and answer to those questions after the break. Check it out, robertscottbell.com. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. All right, we were talking about uh, the growing number, albeit a small number, but a troubling number for the uh, vaccine religion of people who are not vaccinating fully uh, or at all. And, you know, the argument was being made, maybe it's peer pressure. You know, maybe that, you know, you're you're among a group of, of moms that don't and you do, but you don't want to be not one of them. So you, you're going to I mean, I think it's silly when it comes to that. You're in, you're out. There are people, Dr. Vitar, we've met over the years that are like, OK, I know I don't want that one, but that one I got to. Right. Because there's there's really talk about fear. 
They're scared about the return of polio, right? And we've talked about this. Liam Sheff wrote about it in official stories. The yep. fact that, the, you know, what it really was and the fact that it caused paralysis and all the people that got it except for 99.95 plus percent of the people. I mean, that's a, that's that's what it, I mean. There's such absurdity in the way they teach history, of course, is designed to enslave you and trap you into a fear based acceptance of toxic injections and toxic poisons to suppress symptoms that are God's way of saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Pay attention. Eat a little better or a little less. He, he who um, controls the narrative dictates history. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue that they are. The, we, the people that were controlling the narrative did not do justice to history, and, and they had their own agendas, so they manipulated the stories however they wanted to. But one of the most interesting things when I first read Liam's book, before I uh, met Liam, and this is right about the time when you introduced me, because I was still of the belief system of our polio the same way as everybody else. I mean, this was, what, 10 years ago, maybe? We were, we were all programmed, all of us. Exactly, exactly. And what was really, really interesting was when I saw the graph of the use of DDT and the incidence of polio and how the two graphs were identical, except that they were uh, juxtaposed by maybe three months. So as the incidence of DDT increased, so did the incidence of polio. And when when DDT usage dropped, then three months later, the incidence of polio dropped. And it just was almost a perfect parallel, just, you know, three, four months or whatever it was. I don't remember. Maybe it was six months off. But whatever it was, it correlated perfectly just a few months difference in between the incidence of usage of between DDT and polio. So to me, that's a pretty, pretty uh, unbelievable observation. And Liam had made this. I don't know whether Liam originally made it or somebody else made it. And Liam, you know, picked it up. But regardless, mm-hmm. I remember being in in Liam's uh, books where he talked about uh, advertisements. I've had my, what is it, I, I'm going to be fly-free because I've had my DDT or something like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's kids and DDT, happy together, right? These things yeah. were happening. And, of course, you know, we know, as we've talked about for years together, about the toxicological aspect of disease, that the virologists are chasing their tails because they want to say it's the cause of disease when it's the result of disease. You know, your example of there's a fire, you always see fire engines there, they must be the cause of the fire. And there's so much of that that still goes on in modern medicine. They're chasing the wrong thing. And with vaccination, the idea is to isolate something that they claim is the causative agent, but they've never actually identified and isolated and proven it to be so. I mean, if you if you scrape a bunch of garbage off of the sidewalk and fecal material and put that in a, in a syringe and inject it into the brains of monkeys or anything... And it, you'd be surprised if it doesn't get paralyzed. And then they say, aha, we found the cause as if it was one thing that caused polio again. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Robert. And just so people um, that, in case you don't know what DDT is, DDT is one of the uh, or one of the toxins, one of the persistent organic pollutants that was in the global economy for over 50 years before it was declared as one of the dirty dozen. And this is by all the industrialized world. They had a big meeting in, I think, Johannesburg, South Africa, about a decade and a half ago. And they determined there were 12 different chemicals that should not be used in the global economy ever again because of the severe toxicity that it induced in the human population as well as in the animal population. And DDT was one of those 12 dozen. 
the sad part is that it was used for over 50 years and caused catastrophic damage. And then they finally recognized how dangerous it was and, and declared it, you know, in the top top 12 worst, or what they call it. The well, and it still exists residually in the environment, like you talk about, persistent organic pollutants. We got a big announcement about Dr. Batar's international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, next segment. So stand by for that. If you haven't gotten a copy, or even if you had, you want to get more, we're going to tell you how to do it really inexpensively. Uh, but now we got a, another question of the day coming in. I answered one last hour. This one's for both of us, Dr. Batar. Hello, I have to go to India. This is from somebody named G, just G. I have to go to India in January for two weeks. The program is recommending the hepatitis vaccine. I am terrified of vaccines and what they put in them, etc. Is there something else you would recommend I take? I eat very naturally, and I'm afraid for the food, water in India. I do have a sensitive stomach since I'm so used to natural and organic foods. Even my water is alkalinized, she says. Well, it's going to be purified if that's the case. Any suggestions you have would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time. Gee, so I don't know if you want me to jump in with the nose loads first, or you want to talk about some other aspects or strategies, Dr. Batar. No, let's start with the nose loads. I think that's a good place to start. Okay, so, gee, there's something called homeoprophylaxis. This is where we take the diseased organism, whether it be a hepatitis A, B, C, whatever you want it to be, and we convert it via a process of serial dilution and succussion, completely unable to replicate, so you can't get sick from it. And you're taking the essence or energy of it, the metabolic imprint, that's what we do in homeopathy, through dilution and succussion, and then you can take it as a prophylactic to stimulate the energy centers of the body, part of the immune system that the, a lot of the immunologists don't yet understand, some are getting there. And that is a way to sensitize your immune system to be ready. Now, it's not the only thing I would do, but it's something I have done and have, have helped others to do, and they have done very well going to areas where people around them that have done the vaccines or taken the drugs, prophylactic medications, they've gotten sick, but the people who did the kind of things that I'm saying here did not. So, with that, Dr. Batar, do you have any other strategies going into those regions? Well, the one thing that I can say, in my opinion, that would allow for me to make the following very, very blatant statement that some people may take offense to, but when you compare homeopathy to vaccinations, the, the dramatic benefit of the homeopathic is that it contains no poison. So it's not rocket science to say, well, let's try that one before we start to give somebody things that contain poisons in That's one thing. Second thing is that simple behavioral modification, i.e., wash your hands when you've been in a public place. Don't put your hands in your mouth after being in a public place or, or handling, you know, um, the fueling uh portion when you're getting gas in your car, or you've been in, in the public library, or you've been grocery shopping and you're you know pushing a cart, or whatever the case is, wash your hands. Wash your hands frequently. Minerals, uh, mineralization. A lot of times people are low in minerals or low in B vitamins, so that renders their immune system more vulnerable. So mm-hmm. washing your hands, keeping good nutritional status, you know, minerals, B vitamins, and uh, I'm traveling. I'm traveling with silver hydrosol for sure, right? Little spray absolutely. bottles. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And probiotics. Remember, if we end up with a food poisoning or it's something like that, we need to replenish the good guys in there as well, and that's part of the key to the immune system. Yeah, exactly. Dealing with the terrain, so the the uh, gut ecology, making sure that that's boosted and and doing well. And these are all things that people can do. And am I saying that this is going to take care of everything? 
Well, no, it's not going to take care of everything, but I'll tell you what, you're going to be way better than somebody who's got a vaccine because that vaccine is not going to work to the suppressing their immune system anyway. Yeah, so, it, it hampers them. It makes them weaker going in. Exactly. And then and, one and, other thing I'll point out, too, that remember, there's only three things that are actually transmitted by air. People think that all these diseases get transmitted by air. They are not. They're usually transmitted by contact. So you've either sneezed or somebody else has sneezed on something, then they've you know, blown their nose and they touch the the cart, and then you come along with your grocery shopping, you touch the same cart, and then you pick up something, put it in your mouth, and that's how these things get transmitted. Mm-hmm. So Ebola, um, tuberculosis, and there's only one other thing I can't remember right off the, hand, off the top of my head. Those are the only three, three things that are transmitted actually uh, through the air. Now, yeah. if somebody sneezes on you and, you and it lands on you know your food and you eat it, then somebody would say that's through the air, but it's not really technically through the air. It's through contact. But right, through the right. air, it's only tuberculosis, Ebola, and one other thing. Yeah, and then I'm t- also, again, flood the system with silver. You can neutralize it before it takes a hold of you. Also, we mentioned the homeopathic nosodes. There's corresponding nosodes, homeoprophylaxis for any vaccine you could imagine or any disease that exists. Uh, the homeopaths have already created that. And by the way, if you're going to India, homeopathy, mainstream medicine. Homeopaths there know the remedies, and we've, we've actually interviewed Do- Ty Bollinger for the uh, Truth About Vaccines. We met doctors and pharmacists from India that showed... In their areas where they've used homeoprophylaxis, the diseases were almost gone compared to areas where they were relying on now what's called allopathic traditional vaccination. So there's evidence in India and Pakistan as well. Homeopathy is a mainstream medicine. You can find remedies for all that ails you there. And actually, homeopathy was a mainstream medicine here in the United States prior to the Civil War. That is very true. Right through there into the early 20th century, and then they started attacking it with the Flexner Report ever since then. And by the way, Ayurvedic medicine, ancient modality, again, there are many, many ways to address these so-called ailments, even outside of the realm where they don't have what they perceive to be the top allopathic medical hospitals in the world. Well, the homeopaths are doing a bang-up job. The Ayurvedic practitioners are doing amazing work. And uh, you can reach out. We've interviewed uh, homeopaths here about accessing the so-called nozodes, for your utilization, your fear and death administration doesn't want you to know about them, doesn't want doctors to know about them, because it threatens their religion, and their religion is the church of pharmaceutical mysticism, and they want you to sacrifice your children and your bodies on the altar of the vaccinology division or denomination of that church. So if you worship on Saturday or Sunday in your church, synagogue, or mosque, you don't realize you're inadvertently worshiping at the other church the rest of the week when you go to modern medicine for this kind of crazy stuff. Wow, Robert, that was pretty, that was a mouthful. You forgot Friday, Saturday, you said Saturday, Sunday, you forgot Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But yes, Sorry about I, that. Throw that in the mix. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% on, on board with you, and I totally agree with you. It's something that people don't realize, though, that when they're going, um, you know, you, you, they can see the, the radicalness of uh, one aspect of it, like the political aspect, but they, nobody thinks about it when it comes to health care, and yet that it's actually probably more uh, political in health care than it is in any other yeah, of, uh, I've said it many times. I'm about tired of going to any of these churches, synagogues, etc., where they're praising their doctors in their in their in their congregation. Enough, enough. Until you start praising the herbalist, then we got something. We got something going on <laughs> in your historical religious text. Okay, all right. All right, let's take a break here. We're talking with Dr. Rasha Bittar. He's my co-host each and every week at this time. Advanced Medicine Monday, if you're listening live. Those of you in UK Health Radio, it might be Wednesday, but that's okay. The information's just as good. doesn't require expiration dating nor any artificial preservatives. 
We're going to be back. We'll talk about the link between diabetes and autism. Apparently there is one. Why? We'll explain after this break. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Whether you're listening on the radio through GCN, our home and broadcast radio syndication, or online through uh, Dr. Batar's Facebook or Instagram or our YouTube stream, wherever it is, it's all good. It's happening. And we're on two hours a day, six days a week. One of those special hours we get Dr. Batar doing advanced medicine and loads of archives you've been missing. Also, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Many of you have got the book and cherish it and read it, reread it. Some of you are new and you don't have the book. Well, how about getting it for free? Basically, the cost of shipping is what we're talking about. We have a link in the show notes at robertscottbell.com today. Super Don just added that'll get you a copy of the. It's the hardback version still, isn't it? Or is there a paperback? No, it's a hard. It's the hardback. It's a solid book, folks. I got it right over my left shoulder if you're watching on YouTube. And you can do it. You can get your free copy. Just, again, pay basically the shipping handling thing. And it is 8 bucks equivalent. And that thing is, you know, it's a big book, and it will be paying dividends for you for a lifetime. So I encourage you to do that. And thanks, Dr. Batar, for making that available for all of our new listeners for uh, practically free. Well, it's... Uh... It's kind of sad, Robert, that you've got a copy of the book you can show it, and I don't even have a copy of the book to show on my side. But, <laughs> yeah, we're um, we're hoping that it's going to uh, put it in the hands of those that haven't, um, you know, taken the taken the steps that they needed to and just get the information out there because it really has uh, exceeded my expectations, and I'm very, very grateful that so many people enjoyed the book, and so let's get it out to everybody now. Mm-hmm. All right, so our final story tonight uh, relates to something. I would call it a moment of dub, but I, I recognize the medical community is a little bit slow in catching on. But scientists have found that the autism risk is higher in children whose moms had one of the three main types of diabetes that lead to complications in pregnancy, type 1, type 2, and gestational. Now, in the case of type 2 and gestational, I've pointed this out for many years, an abject deficiency of the mineral chromium. I'm not saying it's the only thing, but it is significant, and I've also found science that supports chromium deficiencies during pregnancy can result in a lot of uh, chromosomal abnormalities. So protecting the integrity, genetic integrity of the next generation means getting the minerals back in you, moms. But there's probably more, uh, Dr. Batar, that you know. Well, the minerals are a very important aspect of it, as you just said, but also there's a relative mineral deficiency that's created by the heavy metals. And mercury is a very, very, very significant component, if not the most significant of all components, uh, when you're talking about the autism issue anyway. And you actually see this in other types of metabolic disorders, including diabetes and in asthma. So the mercury causes certain metabolic issues and causes a displacement of certain minerals, selenium being a major one, Mm-hmm. Um, chromium to a little bit lesser extent, and then, of course, all the other minerals that have an impact on it. So what I, when I say displacement, I mean mercury comes in and other metals, too, act the same way. You have three ways of metals cause toxicity. We've talked about this on the air before, and I'll just um, 
reiterate those. The first is oxidative stress, which is a normal mechanism of action. The second one is this displacement issue that we talked about where the metal displace the minerals and then end up basically plugging up or jamming up or gumming up the metabolic machinery. And then the third one is allergenicity of the metals. So what we're talking about here is specifically the second um, mechanism of action where the heavy metals cause the displacement of those essential minerals and they cause that displacement that causes the metabolic machinery to basically lock up. And in autism, it's a, it's a very big problem. We see the propensity for, for this, not just in the endocrine system, but in the gastrointestinal system and obviously the neurological system. And later on in life, it impacts also the cardiovascular and musculoskeletal system. And all three components, Dr. Bittar, are inflammatory. All of those three exacerbate one another into a downward spiral of such severe inflammation that, yes, the brain, nervous system, the gut, all of this inflammation everywhere, not just an acute response to a temporary injury that heals and recovers, but seemingly permanent because the most doctors do not acknowledge what you've just said and they won't go in and displace the metals that have displaced the minerals right get them out and put the minerals back in all the things you talk about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away and more yeah and actually so you know and just to add to that too there's also an issue of the type of minerals that you're taking for certain types of minerals that you take you, they're just not, the body's not going to absorb them. So the format of the minerals, how you ingest them, also has a great impact on whether you're going to see a benefit or not. Very good, very good. Well, Dr. Bittar, we're out of time, and it goes so fast. The fastest one hour of all the hours we do each week with Dr. Rashid. Hey, Bittar! As uh, his buddy Ty Bones would call him, Rashid. <laughs> Don't call him Rashid. He might squash you like a bug. <laughs> all right, Dr. Bittar, tell them what they need to know, because it's about time. we got to go. Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.